Hey, it's Lori. So today I'm bringing you something really special. I'm bringing you a guest episode. Jessica Bowser, host of Virginia Outdoor Adventures podcast, is coming to the mic and taking over today. I'm actually sharing one of her episodes. And if you've been following her, you noticed this month earlier, she had shared one of mine. This is a great topic that ties into my theme of the summer, focusing on Appalachia. So super excited to bring it to you. It is an episode where she brings Kyle King and Brad Matheson, the president and past president of the Central Appalachia Climbers Coalition, to the show. Climbing is something I've always been interested in, but like I've admitted in the past, oh, it intimidates me just a little. But after listening to Kyle and Brad and kind of the things that they're doing to bring climbing to more people, well, I'm really looking forward to someday trying it out and more than just scrambling a little bit. So let's get to it. And thank you, Jessica. And thank you, Virginia Outdoor Adventures for sharing this with the hike listeners. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the Chesapeake Bay, Virginia is a mecca for outdoor travel and adventure. Virginia Outdoor Adventures podcast brings listeners stories and recommendations from leaders and influencers across the Virginia outdoor community. Get the information and the inspiration to plan your own adventure right here in Virginia. I'm your host, Jessica Bowser. Tucked away in a remote corner of southwest Virginia on the Kentucky border lies a canyon with towering sandstone cliffs like layers of a tiered cake, natural geologic formations that make this area a climber's paradise. Kyle King and Brad Matheson, president and past president of the Central Appalachia Climbers Coalition, describe the effort undertaken in recent years to offer world-class outdoor recreation at Brakes Interstate Park. Kyle and Brad share the range of beginner and kid-friendly to advanced rock climbing opportunities at breaks, as well as their advice for first-time climbers. The collaborative partnership between Climbers and Breaks Park is playing a role in revitalizing towns and stimulating economic growth, transforming central Appalachia into a nationally recognized ecotourism destination. Let's go. Virginia Outdoor Adventures is brought to you by Polaris Adventures. Polaris Adventures is a premier national network of more than 175 experience centers that feature top-of-the-line Polaris Power Sports rentals. The program has two outfitter partners in the beautiful Appalachian Mountains of Southwest Virginia. The Western Front Hotel in St. Paul, Virginia is a place to relax and a place to adventure. The Boutique Hotel has a rustic charm with a hip, modern edge and activities for those looking for a true Appalachian experience, including music, culture, and cuisine. From paddling the Clinch River to exploring the Spearhead Trail System with the Polaris RZR side-by-side, there are plenty of things to do during a stay, both on and off the trails. In Bluefield, Virginia, Trailhead Adventures provides the unique combination of a top-quality campground and premier riding destination with access to the Hatfield-McCoy Trail System and the Spearhead Trail System. Enjoy vistas, wildlife, and endless miles of canopied forest throughout the remote, rugged terrain this location has to offer. 
Dedicated to introducing new groups to the world of power sports, Polaris Adventures is proud to support International Female Ride Day, a celebration of women in power sports. The world's only female-focused power sports rider event happens every year in May and aims to connect women riders of any kind in their communities and across the globe. Polaris Adventures is your best-in-class power sports adventure outfitter. Start your adventure by clicking on Polaris Adventures in the show notes of your podcast listening app to visit adventures.polaris.com. Blue Ridge Outdoors Magazine takes readers deep into the mountains, covering adventure, recreation, travel, and culture. The largest free, independent outdoor lifestyle magazine in the country, Blue Ridge Outdoors is dedicated to inspiring people in the Blue Ridge and beyond to go outside and play. Every issue includes coverage of top scenic destinations, multi-sport spotlights, interviews with inspiring adventurers, new gear reviews, and features on regional music and culture. The May Festival issue is now on stands, which highlights the best fests in the Blue Ridge that you don't want to miss. Plus backcountry bartending, a possible new national park, snake bites in the south, used gear, and so much more. Check out Blue Ridge Outdoors Magazine on Newsstands Monthly, or click the link in your show notes to visit BlueRidgeOutdoors.com. Brad and Kyle, welcome to Virginia Outdoor Adventures. Hey, Jessica. Thanks for having us. We're both uh, happy to be here. Well, I won't speak for Kyle, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. Excited to, uh, to speak with you today. What do you love about Virginia's Outdoors? Probably the remoteness and the lack of attention that we get because people don't realize how amazing our stuff is. Yeah, I feel a similar way. I'm not originally from this area. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, moved down into this southwest Virginia region for work. And I had never heard of the outdoor opportunities that are here, particularly for climbing, rock climbing. The longer I've been here, the more amazing I've found it. And yet no one else or very few people seem to recognize how amazing it is. You get to kind of go out and have your own adventure and it still feels kind of wild, but the, the resources are just as good as anywhere else. I think that's exactly right. And that's why I'm so excited to talk about climbing It Breaks today because it is it really is a hidden gem that a lot of people don't know about. But I think after today, hopefully a few more people will. So what got you hooked on climbing? I think for me, it was in college, you know, as a way to sort of get away from the study grind and the hustle and bustle of trying to do well in school. And, and so getting out and climbing was a way to uh, get away from that and sort of have a self challenge that uh, is rewarding. You know, we're in these beautiful places and a lot of our areas, you get to the top of a climb and have a great view and it's remote and it's intimate with your friends and it's just a great experience. And I think, you know, all of that was, was exactly what I was needing in my life for sure. Yeah. And for me, it was, you know, throughout all of high school, I had played a bunch of different sports, but never really connected with sort of the traditional routes of football, soccer, basketball, um, but I always liked being outside, always liked being physical and then ultimately tried climbing in a gym and it just sort of clicked as, you know, this is what I want to do. I love the challenge of it. Um, and then once you start taking it from a gym setting to an outdoor setting, it adds a whole new level of adventure and interaction with nature. And then I really connected with, um, and then on top of that, you 
form lots of great bonds with the people you climb with. So you spend all day just kind of hanging out outside. Um, and so it's a really communal environment and a really uh, friendly environment that, yeah, you just kind of want to keep, keep being around. Let's talk about what makes Breaks Park so special to climbers. Yeah, well, the Breaks, for those who don't know, it's a state park or an interstate park. I think it's one of two interstate parks in the country. It's right on the border of Virginia, Kentucky, in Virginia and Kentucky on the far southwest part of Virginia. And it was open to climbing um, not so long ago, just in 2016 or 2015. It was officially open to rock climbing and Kyle and I and a few other folks in the area who are committed to rock climbing and, and furthering the uh, development of rock climbing in the area um, started working on putting in new routes and putting in new trails because we realized how special the place was. The infrastructure at the breaks for any visitor is incredible. Um, in terms of it's got lodging, it's got a restaurant, it's got trails that already exist. But for climbers, it's even better because from one location, once you get to the park, there's, I don't know, 10 different entry points with 10 different climbing areas that you can get to. And so you really just go one place and you have access to a whole park's worth of climbing. Um, and we sort of recognize that and recognize the potential that the breaks had and worked with the park and they were very, very supportive of, of adding climbing to their list of activities they have there. Yeah. So sort of to build on that last comment, um, one of the things that makes breaks really attractive is just how incredibly supportive the staff are. To be welcomed as a climber is a really good feeling. We often spend a lot of our time in areas where it's sensitive. The relationship is tough. They don't really understand what are these crazy people doing that are climbing up on these rocks? Doesn't make sense. Well, Austin being in a position, the superintendent of the park, being in a position of looking for new avenues for growth and revenue um, to stay afloat, saw this incredible rock resource as an opportunity and invited us in. And it's just been an amazing time working with them, uh, building the resource, and in being an example for the other parks. So, you know, it's as much as the rock climbing is great as the relationships are even better. You know, the people love us and they're very friendly and they're very welcoming to us, which is amazing. I was thinking about what I said and I realized I didn't want to make it sound like, you know, they have all this infrastructure, but that is what's unique. They have the infrastructure, but yet it still is incredibly wild and a pretty rugged terrain. Um, the breaks is a deep canyon that dips into the Russell Fork River. And so most of the climbing and the park exists sort of at the top of the canyon, at the top of the mountain on one of the ridges. Um, and most of the climbing happens on sort of like the top tier of cliff. There's many tiers of cliff as you go down the gorge. And most of the climbing right now is towards the, the first or second tier down the gorge. And so you can hike from a lodge, like a motel type lodge, about 10 minutes from there, you're at the base of a climb and you feel totally remote, even though you're only 10 minutes away, uh, you climb a route to the top and then you get this incredible view of this gorge and this feeling of exposure um, that as you're looking back down, you're not just looking back down the, the 80 feet that you just climbed, you're looking back down the 500 feet back down into the gorge 
Um, and so just the feeling of grandeur and the feeling of exposure and wilderness is great, even though you're extremely close to all the amenities that the park has. Um, and that's one of the things that makes it, you know, a really unique place is it feels at, at one point, it feels really close and easy and accessible. And on the other hand, still really wild and out, out in nature and adventurous. You described it really well. And you just recently wrote a book, Brad, which is Breaks Interstate Park Rock Climbs. Is that what inspired you to write the guidebook? Yeah, what inspired me to write it was just, it's an incredible resource for climbing, partially because of the things that Kyle just mentioned with the welcoming nature of the park, particularly Austin Bradley, who's the park superintendent. He is looking for new ways to bring people into this resource because it is tucked into the far corner of the state. A lot of people don't even know it exists, um, but it's the perfect terrain for climbers. And so he was looking for a way to bring more people in. And a guidebook is really the best way to do it because you fill it up with pictures, fill it up with descriptions of, of the climbing and people can actually see for themselves how good it really is and how impressive of a, of a spot it really is. And so the reason I wrote the book was one, to help Austin in the park expand uh, their user group and bring new people in. Um, at this point, we've sent books to, I don't know, 15, 18 different states. I just sent a book last week to Canada. So it is getting out, which is great. But then also it's, it's an excellent resource. As far as one climbing destination where you can drive to and once you're there you never have to get back in your car if you don't want to you can hike from your tent or from the lodge to any of the climbing areas is a is a fairly unique thing so i was just trying to share that with others to you know kind of spread the good word of of how good the resources are in southwest virginia and, and give people an opportunity to come and, and see it for themselves you know when we started this whole rock climbing relationship with the park, one of the main things that we put in our management plan was that all routes had to go on mountain project. And that's an online resource for people to put in. It's sort of like crowdsourced data for the climbing community. But it's really interesting when you have a book in your hand and you have pictures of routes and descriptions and directions, your likelihood of going to that area is way higher. And so from an economic standpoint and the tourism standpoint, the guidebook is leaps and bounds above what we were able to do with Mountain Project. I mean, we saw record uh, waiver signings as soon as the book came out. Like, we're, you know, so from a tourism standpoint, the book, you know, Brad did a great job with that. And it is certainly we're starting to see some of the benefits for sure. Yeah. And the, the cool thing about the book as well is that it was totally grant funded either well it's funded either by the park or by a grant um, from the virginia tourism commission and so then all the funding from the book goes back into the park and so they'll spend that money on trails or updating campsites which climbers use or 50 percent of it goes back into a climber organization the central appalachia climbers coalition which Kyle and I help run. And then we use it to continue to develop routes, to develop infrastructure for climbing, signage, parking lots, things like that, so that the resource continues to grow. 
So it's been a, a great thing for the park, not only bringing new people in, but also bringing more funding to continue to develop climbing in a sustainable way. So the guidebook is absolutely beautiful. I've told you that before, but it really is. And the photos in here are fantastic because it gives readers a real idea of what the climbing looks like it breaks. And it can be difficult to describe, especially on a podcast. But um, fortunately, you have shared with me some of the photos from this book. So I'll be able to post those on the podcast social media pages so people can go to Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and see what the climbing actually looks like, what the rock looks like, what the terrain looks like, um, and then just these awesome photos of people actually up on on the rocks, up on the walls. So that's really neat and I'm excited to share those. Um, you've mentioned a little bit about the history of climbing at Breaks, but there's a little more to it. Um, I know when I first visited Breaks, which was only a few years ago, actually it was less than three years ago, I think there were maybe 70 routes at that point that had been bolted. And how many are there now? We're up to about 370 now. I mean, that's incredible, I think. It's, it seems like rock climbing is just exploding there. Yeah, it is. Um, like in that all, almost all of that explosion of development comes from the park's forward thinking view on climbing and bringing people in. They have been more supportive than any land manager we've ever dealt with. Sorry, I want to give you the history of climbing, but before you, before I go on, I just, I would be, uh, it would be wrong if I didn't mention all of the, the photography in the book, which is beautiful. People often tell me, oh, you did a great job with the book, but really what they mean is the pictures are great because that's what makes the book really appealing is looking through all the pictures. And almost all of those pictures were taken by a friend of ours, Jesse Cheers, who um, helps run his family um, owns the mountain sports limited in bristol so if you ever want to get a copy of any of those photos or any other uh, climbing photos out at the breaks jesse at mountain sports is the the guy to contact and he did an amazing job he's very humble so i always try to make sure i, I throw him under the bus for how good his photography is uh, is. But in terms of the history, yeah, there had been some climbing kind of under the radar that was established in the mid 90s uh, at the breaks. And there had been climbing before that. It's, it's hard not to go to the breaks if you're a climber and look at it and think, oh, I don't want to climb here. I mean, it's an, it's an impressive, impressive landscape. And there's so much cliff. I mean, we have 370 routes now, um, but it could triple um, or quadruple by, you know, in the next 10, 15 years in terms of just rock that could be developed. Um, but in the early nineties, some, some folks put up routes sort of under the radar cause it wasn't allowed to be done at that time. Um, and then in 2014, I think it was, or 15, a girl named Kylie Schmidt, who used to be on the central Appalachia climbers coalition board, um, was out. She's from Pikeville, not far from the breaks was out climbing and actually with some friends and got caught by Austin um, climbing those old routes. And he said, oh, really, you're not allowed to climb here. You know, he wasn't too upset, but he had to stop them because that was the rule of the park. And he said, but if this is something that you think the park could be doing or should be doing, we're actually in the process of rewriting our master plan right now. So you should come and talk about it as a resource if you think it's gonna be good. And that's when Kylie reached out to the CACC, our climbers organization, and um, we started working with her on, and the park on opening uh, the park for climbing officially. So it would be allowed to be developed and, 
it's kind of an interesting process. We, you know, we have um, biologists that came in and expressed their concerns. We had um, safety concerns brought up from, you know, the search and rescue folks and then talking with the park and their financial needs and climbers needs. And we all worked together to create a climbing management plan that we put in place that has allowed climbing to be open since 2016. And since then, the park has said, oh, we'll, um, we'll give free lodging to anybody that's putting up new climbing routes um, during the winter, uh, which is incredible. And they said, we'll, we'll help you pay for hardware, um, which is great. And during COVID, they hired um, both myself and Jesse Cheers to go out there and rebuild trails because that was something we could kind of do in, in solitude and not be near anybody. So they have been incredibly helpful in, in that development. But then also it's a lot of volunteers like Kyle, um, like a friend of ours, Mike Reardon, and some folks from North Carolina who come in and they're just very passionate about climbing and put in new routes. So yeah, in uh, less than five years, uh, we went from, well, from those initial routes, there were about 30. So in about five years, we added 350 routes and maybe, I don't know, how many miles of trail do you think we've put in out there? Four or five, Kyle? We've, we've put in a lot of trail, you know, yeah. one of the things too, with that history and, and how this all weaves in and, and with the guidebook, you know, you can't put a guidebook out there and not have any trails to your climbing areas. And so not only did we have to work on bolting the routes and develop, developing them and grading them and giving descriptions and directions, we also had to put trails in and trail building is not easy. Um, and so throughout that process, we've put in a lot of trails. I don't know what the mileage is, but quite a bit, um, in order to make it a long-term sustainable project. And, um, yeah, throughout the, throughout the last few years, it's just been unreal. This is all very exciting. And I know that there's going to be a lot of listeners who have never tried climbing before. So what advice do you have for a beginner? The way that the majority of climbers are getting produced now in the country is through uh, gyms. So a really great way to try climbing. Going outside is awesome, but it typically requires a guide. Uh, if you're going to start outside for the first time, you'll need gear and things like that. Going to a gym is a really good way to sort of test the waters, to try it out. Um, and I know you know, the number of climbing gyms in the country has exploded in the last decade. And so, you know, if you're in an urban setting or have a local gym, it's a great way to try it and, uh, and not have too much cost involved. And that's probably the best way to start, in my opinion. Yeah, at this point, uh, trying it out at the gym is um, one of the best ways to get into it um, or having a friend and, and pestering them over and over again until they take you out. And then usually once you've done it a couple of times, you're hooked and you'll start saying, okay, well, what gear do I need to buy for myself? Um, and that's generally the first two things you'll get is shoes and a harness. Um, Cause those are sort of personalized items to you and other things can get shared between friends. I think that there's a misperception about getting into climbing when you see videos of like Alex Honnold, um, the free solo guy, everybody thinks that it's really dangerous, but nobody free solos, just Alex Honnold. You know, the number of people who free solo is, is infinitesimally small because it's so dangerous, but normal climbing is not because you're roped up. 
Um, you, there, you have really good systems. The equipment is incredibly strong and overbuilt. Um, and I fall every time I go climbing and I've been doing it for 15 years and have never been injured other than, you know, hurting fingers because I can't stop climbing. So it's a, it's an incredibly safe activity as long as you're paying attention and you're taught correctly. Um, and then it's really an activity for anybody. You don't have to be in great shape because, um, it, you know, if, if you've never been outdoors or you're new to it, um, there's really easy climbing, which is something the brakes has a lot of. Um, it's got a lot of beginner routes, which is one of the reasons it's an amazing resource because beginner routes are sometimes harder to find and the brakes has tons of them. Um, so you can go from a beginner to extremely advanced and it, the climbing gets harder, but it never has to get more dangerous. And as an example, I've had my, I have three kids um, who are two, uh, five and eight. And my eight-year-old has been climbing since she was four. Um, you know, she kind of starts, we'll just pull her up on the rope and swing her around. Um, but now she's out climbing and, and has a really good time. We go on road trips and stuff. Um, so kind of anybody can, can climb and get into it if you want to. A gym's often the best place, but uh, if you're going to try outdoors for the first time, the breaks is probably one of the best places that you can go outdoors for the first time. Probably another thing, too, as a, as a good piece of advice, if I was starting out, um, would be to search for your local climbing organizations. You know, the Access Fund is sort of the mother nonprofit over climbing access in the United States. And the Central Appalachia Climbers Coalition, like where Brad and I uh, volunteer, uh, is one of the 150 some organizations on the ground level that are keeping trails up and routes going and dealing with access issues. And so it's really helpful to have people within the community. And so if you're interested in getting involved and in getting into climbing, attend a trail day. There'll be a lot of other climbers out there that are also new or excited. And uh, you can find a lot of resources that way too. More from Brad and Kyle in just a moment. But first, planning a trip to Brakes Park? Let Buchanan County welcome you to the heart of Appalachia. Buchanan County is off the beaten path with endless possibilities to explore and enjoy the natural beauty of the mountains and rivers teeming with abundant wildlife, from elk and deer to bear and birds. Hikers, mountain bikers, ATVers, climbers, stargazers, and wildlife watchers will find trails to explore and adventure at every turn. Appalachia has stolen my heart with some of the best wildlife viewing opportunities in Virginia, surrounded by stunning mountain scenery. On my most recent visit to Buchanan County, I got to experience the outdoors in a whole new way by ATVing on the Spearhead Trails, getting up close to the reintroduced elk herd, spotting a black bear foraging from one of the elk viewing platforms, and being wowed every evening by the dark skies overhead. Come see for yourself and let Buchanan County show you life on the wild side. Mark your calendars for two popular upcoming events in Buchanan at Southern Gap Outdoor Adventure. This summer, Southern Gap Mountain Mayhem, July 27th through 30th, is the ultimate family-friendly ATV and UTV event in the East. Three days packed with fun for all things off-road, including mud bog blitzes, drag races, hill climb racing, a UTV tug-of-war, and more that will appeal to both adrenaline junkies and weekend warriors. 
This fall, join us for Southern Gap Elk Fest, October 20th through 23rd, which features elk tours, a mountain arts showcase, bonfire storytelling, a youth archery tournament, wild game calling demonstrations, the great pumpkin ATV hunt, chainsaw carving, music, and more. Educational workshops will be offered on beekeeping, photography, birding, and basket weaving. The festival opens with the traditional wild game dinner, a hot ticket item, so don't delay. Make your plans to stay at Southern Gap's campground or cabins or nearby in the town of Grundy or Brakes Interstate Park. Learn more about these upcoming events in Buchanan County by clicking on Visit Wild Buchanan in the show notes of your podcast listening app. I'm glad you both brought that up because when I first started getting into climbing, I was going with a friend who was hiring guides every time we went. And my impression of it was this is an awesome sport that is cost prohibitive for most people, but that's actually not the case at all. And as I started to get to know people and meet people like you two and get involved in other organizations, I started to learn that there were opportunities where you can join a group of people who are just going out for a day or who maybe are even going on a road trip for the weekend who are happy to let you use their ropes and some of their gear and to share the equipment and share any lodging expenses if you're say going out of town Um, but there's lots of ways to get involved where people don't mind teaching you i mean I've, i've noticed that the climbing community in general is very open and very welcoming and they want people to join them and they want to show people how to do this um so there's just seems to be lots of opportunities that are not cost prohibitive um, or who that have minimum costs associated with it but is there any like minimum gear that you would recommend somebody purchase um like maybe let's say they've gone to the gym they've tried it they're thinking this is something they'd like to do more often is there something that they should go out and get right away shoes is probably the first thing you would buy because not only are your shoes going to be a certain size that fit you but also they're going to get really stinky and uh, you're going to make them stinky. So you don't want to make other people's shoes really stinky or have their stink on your feet. So <laughs> shoes is the first thing. And then a harness because you can, sh- every other piece of equipment you can share. So you'll have a harness while you're belaying or climbing. So you'll need your own, but shoes and a harness are the best first two investments and everything else you can share between people. Yeah, the the climbing community is in general extremely welcoming to new people because I think climbing tends to be a bit of a lifestyle type sport. Um, People who are into it are really into it and it has impacted their life in a positive way and and changed them in a really positive way. And most of the times they're really excited to share that. Um, They want other people to get involved because they know that it's been really good for them. It helps you to slow down your life. And on a Saturday, when was the last time you went outside, like didn't go shopping, didn't go to a fast food restaurant, weren't stressed out. You just went outside and sat around with friends for 12 hours. And from about October through um, April, that's what I do every weekend. And it's an incredibly relaxing way to spend time because you just disconnect. You don't bring your phone, you're out in the woods, you disconnect from everything and you're just with friends outside. Um, And I think that that's a life-changing thing for a lot of people in our sort of fast-paced social media, stare at screens kind of lifestyles that a lot of people are sucked into right now. One of the biggest battles that we face is, is getting that point across. We are extremely inviting and 
ha- letting having people sort of get over the the ego of I'm not strong or I can't climb. This is a, a you against yourself sport. Uh, I know they've in, in you know introduced competition into the climbing world, but for the most part, our outdoor experiences are you against yourself. This is a self betterment sport, and you know getting people to be aware of that and come out and try like just because we may climb around a certain grade doesn't mean that we're judging you we want you to come climb because we all started and we all started somewhere um and that's one of the big things that we struggle with yeah i love i love going outside and having you know people will usually if you're trying to climb a route that's hard for you whether it's a five nine which is a relatively easy grade or a 512, which is a more advanced grade um, in, in difficulty, you'll hear the group on the ground cheering just as much for the person who's trying their hardest on the 59 as the person who's trying their hardest on the 512, because everybody knows the experience of struggle and trying to push yourself. And everybody gets excited when they see somebody else doing that and, and pushing past that and Yeah. So everybody, it's just a very supportive community for that reason. Brad and Kyle, you're the president and the past president of the Central Appalachian Climbers Coalition, which is an organization that was established to develop, maintain, and promote rock climbing in Central Appalachia. Beyond just promoting climbing, the organization claims that rock climbing is a viable component to the economic and cultural transition that Central Appalachia needs. Can you explain what this means? You know, that's, that's, it's a big picture thing that we're trying to accomplish. This region was once very promising for coal mining and extractive industries. So, you know, that has sort of tapered off over the last 50 years. And, and we face sort of not an identity crisis, but uh, trying to figure out what's next for the region. And so Brad and I look around and go, wow, this rock climbing is amazing. It's a healthy active lifestyle uh, sport. And it's also an economy driver. People come to breaks and they get a room or they buy dinner and they fill their car up at the local gas station. Um, And so it's, it's a bigger picture thing. It's getting people outside. It's uh, spending your money in these small towns that otherwise don't have much of an economic opportunity and not that we're the primary answer or climbing is the primary answer, but it's sort of a, a piece of the puzzle that, you know, we're trying to uphold in this new uh, recreation-based economy perspective for our area, because it's such a beautiful landscape that's been overlooked for so long. Uh, and we're, we're trying to help bring our part of the world to light. I remember when I first moved, I'd maybe lived in this area, I was living in Norton, Virginia in Wise County. And I was out climbing at one of the areas um, nearby Norton. And it's clear that I'm not local. I don't have an accent. Um, And so people would caught like frequently say like, where are you from? And I'd say, oh, I live in Norton. Um, And they'd say, you're not from Norton. I'd say, no, I'm not. I moved here from Pittsburgh. And they say, well, why would you ever move here? And we'd be in the parking lot of this incredibly beautiful area. Um, and I would say, why wouldn't I move here? I mean, look at what's here. It's so beautiful here. And a lot of folks 
kind of have grown up looking past the beauty of their area, sometimes because the broader region or the, um, you know, the outsiders to central Appalachia look at it like it has nothing to offer. Sometimes there's a stereotype against it. And that stereotype can get, you know, people can sort of take that upon themselves and say, this area has nothing going for it. But as an outsider, I can see that the area has lots going for it um, in terms of outdoor resources and opportunities. And if we can reconnect the local communities to it by getting them into climbing um, and then bring in new people from the outside who also love climbing, they will then change their stereotypes, hopefully, and see that, you know what? The people around here are incredibly friendly and the communities are very welcoming. That's not what I expected. And it's wildly beautiful. Uh, and I never knew about that. And then as the outsiders start saying how great the area is, maybe it'll remind some of the younger generation that are local um, how wonderful the place that they live is. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully all of that turns into an economic driver uh, for the region. Um, climbing in certain areas like the Red River Gorge or the New River Gorge, um, which are huge destinations, some of the largest destinations for climbing in the country, there's economic impact studies that show that climbing alone brings in, at least at the Red River Gorge, I know the number was $3.8 million a year of uh, economic benefit to those local communities that are not so different than uh, the communities that were trying to develop climbing in. So it, it has the potential to be uh, an economic and community changing um, force. I was just going to sort of piggyback on that a little bit and say, you know, one of the cool projects that we worked on was with uh, Spearhead Trails. They were building a community center in Coburn and it was going to have batting cages and a skate park and ATV rentals and uh, axe throwing and all kinds of stuff. And, it, and so we included a rock climbing wall. It's like, what infants do you know that don't try to climb on everything? We love climbing. Being humans love climbing. They love the monkey bars in the park as a kid. And, and so a lot of the people, the young kids grow up and they say, well, there's nothing here. And so we're going to leave. And so with that community project in mind, trying to let these younger generations be aware of the climbing resource that they have sort of get involved with them at a younger age so that they look around and say, wow, I love this area. I want to stay around here. The resources are amazing. Um, and so, it, you know, our mission is sort of twofold. It's one, we want the locals to stick around and to get involved in a healthy lifestyle and appreciate the resources they have. But we also want to help bring in economic drivers from out of town. So it's a, it's a big picture project, really. Just a few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of joining both of you at the breaks for a volunteer day. And it was a joint project between Central Appalachian Climbers Coalition and the Access Fund. And we were doing some trail work at the base of the mountain where where the where many of the routes are. Can you describe the work that you're doing at breaks with Access Fund? Through the Cumberland Forest Project, the Nature Conservancy made a large land acquisition. And in that, they established a fund that they wanted to help promote and do small grant allocations for outdoor rec projects within the region. And so with the collaboration of the Access Fund and Breaks, we were able to 
uh, get a grant large enough to get the conservation team, the trail team from the access fund uh, to stay at the park for about six weeks doing trail work. Uh, and so the access fund is certainly our partner in our relationship with breaks and that project in particular, we were doing trail building, uh, rescue access for the park to get down to the river. Uh, and you know, with them, it's, you know, we're doing resource development primarily. Well, I mean, Kyle summed it up pretty well. And just, um, he did mention something that I always find interesting is that, you know, one of like the trail that we were building was not only an access trail for climbers, but was also a trail that the park now uses as a quick way to get down the gorge that never existed before climbers were there. It was a brand new trail that we found, we found usually climbers will do anything to get to cliff. Um, we're, it's like searching for gold. We're like, I can smell it. We're nearby. Like I'm going to go down this little ravine that nobody else would go down because I just want to get to the base of this cliff. Um, and so we ended up finding a chute between two pieces of cliff. We call it a stone door when the, the cliff kind of breaks down and you can zigzag down just a little spot to get down lower um, to get to the base of the cliff. And the park had never used this as a trail, didn't know it could be a trail. Um, and now it's anytime they have a rescue that needs to happen lower in the gorge, that's the trail they take because it's the fastest way down. And the access fund came and helped us build it out. We had volunteers build it out and we're building it because we want to use it for climbing access. But the park is really excited and they went ahead and got the grant and fund these projects because it helps them with their rescues. Um, so it's a really cool kind of symbiotic relationship or, or again, um, the breaks is one of the only place, if not the only place in Virginia where there are actively nesting peregrine falcons. Um, which was one of the large concerns because they nest on cliffs. So we work with the state to identify the, the climbers, help identify the birds um, and can help identify where their nesting locations are. We communicate that with the um, state biologist and then we'll set up a closure area around those cliffs for the season that they're nesting so that we don't disturb them. Um, but it's climbers who are going to be helping to, cause we're out there all the time. We're hanging out on the same place that the birds want to hang out. Um, it's climbers that are helping to identify these birds. So um, it's, it is a cool kind of symbiotic relationship that climbers have with the park and with the other, you know, resources that the park has to offer. I really had a lot of fun on that day that we were working on trail building, not only because I got to meet everybody and hang out with some really cool people, but because I knew that the work we were doing was going to benefit the park and benefit the state and benefit the climbing community. It was just a lot of fun. But then I also got to meet the two people from Access Fund and learn more about that organization. And it's not just like the, you know, the trail work and the other things that they're doing, but they do advocacy work in addition. So there's just like so much opportunity to get involved with the climbing community and make a difference. Yeah, in fact, just last week, and I'll let Kyle speak to this because he was able to spend more time there. We had Senator Kane come down um, and visit the breaks, which was, I think, sort of coincidental, but it was great because he was coming to visit the park and Austin Bradley, the superintendent, said, what I really want to highlight is the success of the climbing program. And so the Access Fund came out um, because they had already actually met with Senator Kane about um, being an advocate for climbing and for the outdoors. Um, 
And so we were able to go and, and get some of his staff members out climbing. And that was something that Kyle was able to do and spend a little bit more time on. So if he's got something to add yeah. to that. It's not often, it's actually very rare to get recognition of that sort at the crag on the trail. Like it's the access fund is able to get in front of people that make decisions in Washington, but getting them out on our turf helps them understand what are these crazy climbers all about? You know, let's, let's get there and get a firsthand feel for it. And especially, you know, getting, getting the aids out climbing, um, they get a, they get to actually, it's a tangible relationship now with what we're trying to accomplish. And so from the advocacy standpoint, um, the relationship with the access fund is extremely important because they have the attention on the large scale and we're able to channel that on the local side. And so the, the symbiotic relationship between the two helps us work with people like Senator Kane on a, on a bigger level to help, uh, drive the the goal that we're trying to accomplish. Well, I was so excited about the opportunity to help the climbing community that I just recently joined the Access Fund and I was able to join the Access Fund and then they give you the option to join your local climbers club. So I also was able to join the CACC at the same time. So wow. that I thought was really neat. And I'm really excited about my t-shirt and my sticker coming in the mail pretty soon. <laughs> Nice. Thanks for doing that. Thank you. Other than breaks, what other climbing locations would you recommend in Southwest Virginia? Hidden Valley is probably what we would consider the gateway sport crag to Southwest Virginia. Uh, Just about 15 minutes outside of Abingdon, so close to I-81, is a sport crag with around 350 or 400 sport routes. Just to clarify, for those who have not climbed before, We'll say sport climbing. And what we mean by that is it's rope climbing that's protected by permanent bolts, anchor bolts in the wall. So every eight feet or so along the wall is a place that a lead climber, someone who's putting the rope up, would clip the rope into the wall with a carabiner. Um, and so that's sport climbing when the, when the protection is already permanently in place, as opposed to trad climbing, which is also rope climbing but where there is no permanent protection and you have to use removable gear, uh, either what we call cams or nuts that go into the rock temporarily. And then you take them out when you are finished. Um, As opposed to the third standard type of climbing is called bouldering where you're only climbing maybe 12 to 15 feet off the ground. It's sort of what I call like the espresso of climbing where the route gets condensed into a very short series of movements you're climbing a a boulder usually a freestanding boulder you put pads beneath you um and you you climb that way so kyle was talking about sport climbing at hidden valley i'll let him continue since i just interrupted him so so hidden valley we have a stewardship relationship with the carolina climbers coalition who actually was in a position to acquire some of the access land back in 2014 um and so that sort of uh, Southwest Virginia classic has a guidebook out there if you're lucky enough to find one. And then another crag, one of our other premier areas is Grayson Highlands for bouldering. It is a beautiful state park. You've probably seen pictures of the ponies. 
the AT runs through it. It's just the setting is unreal. And from a, a bouldering standpoint, there are little pebbles everywhere. And people love that. Uh, the rock type is much different than the Hidden Valley or some of the sandstone that we climb uh, in the more western part of the state. And uh, it is just a gorgeous place. So those are two of our like premier areas for Southwest Virginia. Maybe Brad should explain what bouldering is. Oh, I get, like I said, it's sort of, um, you're taking, it's in one way, the easiest form of climbing to get into, because all you need is shoes. Um, but you're just climbing freestanding boulders that are from 10 to 18 feet tall. And you'll start as basically as low on a, we call them problems, uh, rather than routes as low on a problem that you can. Um, and Usually the moves are pretty hard, but they're shorter in terms of you're not, you're only climbing 15 feet. Um, and then you'll top the boulder out. So rather than usually when you're sport climbing or um, trad climbing, you go to the top of the cliff and there's anchors at the top of the cliff and you lower off before going to the very, very top on bouldering, you're going to top out the boulder and walk off the backside. Um, and it takes, I mean, if you want to be risky, all you need is shoes, but most people will bring what's called a bouldering pad or a crash pad, um, which is like this giant, it's like a giant backpack pad that unfolds beneath you. So if you ever see somebody walking around in the woods at Grayson Highlands with like a mattress on their back, those are boulderers. Uh, Grayson Highlands is beautiful for bouldering and there's a guidebook for that as well. Also written by another one of our um, our former vice president of the CACC, Aaron Parlier. So there's a small group of people doing a lot of the work in this region. So thank you so much for contributing and, and joining um, the Access Fund and the CACC. We do a lot of work with um, a little bit of re uh, funding and resources. So any anything helps. One thing to add to that is uh, in terms of our advocacy work as an example, with Grayson Highlands, the guidebook that was published had a picture of the what's the AVP boulder on the guidebook cover, which uh, through maybe not at first, but as the book got published and climbing got popular, it turned out it was on private land and the landowner realized it and decided they wanted to sell their property. And so they shut down climbing on those boulders and also the sale of the guidebook. And that is where the Access Fund and CACC sort of jump in. We're the advocacy group, we're the access group. And so we were able to uh, work with the landowner, negotiate a purchase price and survey off the boulders from their house site so that we were able to just make a, a land acquisition that borders the state park uh, through the wonderful support of our local climbers and people like you, Jessica, getting a membership we were able to fundraise and purchase the property and continue access. So the guidebook went back for sale and, you know, now there's a trail up to the AVP boulders and it's published and it's, it's open. And so uh, that's just one small example of the work that we do. 
Yeah, when I joined, I felt like I was excited to make a contribution to the, the projects that you just mentioned, but also those sites are a wonderful resource. You can go on there to find climbing locations and other information. And especially if you're a beginner, all of this is kind of new and having a resource that you can access easily with the information and to answer the questions you might have about climbing, I think is worth every penny. So I was excited to join. Is there, are there any other benefits that I might have missed that you want to mention? I know with the Access Fund, they have member benefits um, where you get discounts for, uh, we have what's called a joint membership. So what Jessica was talking about was a joint membership. When you sign up for the Access Fund, you can pick a local climbing organization um, that shares that membership and we get a percentage of uh, that membership fee. And then the Access Fund, I can't remember their whole um, list of things that you get discounts on and benefits to, um, but it is on their website. And we're trying to beef out some of that locally as well within the CACC. That's sort of one of our um, missions for the upcoming year is giving more benefits back to the members who support the work that we do. Um, but yeah, we one of the things that we would love to do more of as a um, climbers organization is be a resource. So if you're curious about things, um, you can either go to our website, which is climbcentralappalachia.com or email us, which is climbcentralappalachia at gmail.com. And um, if you have any questions, how do I get into it? Where should I go? I need more information on this or that area. We'd, we'd love to help you. So send us an email um, and, uh, and we'll, even if you're not a member, we'll uh, help you out and hopefully you'll become a member because you see the good work we're doing. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll send you the membership form and respond to your email. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I will be sure to drop links to all of the things that you just mentioned in the show notes. So if anybody's listening to this, they can go to the show notes section of your listening app and click directly on each of those things so that they can reach you or reach the website for those organizations. And then I think there's also social media pages too, right? I know um, CACC is on Facebook. I think on Facebook, it's just Central Appalachia Climbers Coalition. And then I can't remember the Instagram because I don't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just Google, just just search Central Appalachia Climbers Coalition and uh in Instagram and we should come up. Perfect. So I will link those for easy access to the listeners. And where can people buy the guidebook? Uh you can have it sent to you if you buy it off of breakspark.com. Um, or again, you can just email us, but most gyms throughout Virginia now carry it. And if your gym doesn't carry it, send us an email and I'll start hounding them to carry it. But I, I think I've got it into most of the gyms throughout Virginia. Um, so if you even just wanted to take a look at it, you could go out to your um, local gym and, and they should have it. Um, and then breakspark.com is where you can order it to have it shipped out to you. Okay. And if you're in the park, it's available in the gift shop and the visitor right. center too. Right. Okay. So Brad and Kyle, we are getting close to the end of this. And uh, before we finish up, I wanted to ask you, what is one piece of gear you can't live without? My one piece of gear I can't live without is Kyle. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because without Kyle, when I fell, I wouldn't have uh, somebody holding the other side of the rope for me. Or when I'm up on, on a route getting scared, I wouldn't have somebody on the ground yelling at me. 
come on, don't be a wuss. (laughs) There's a lot of, yeah, we have a weird relationship. There's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of of heckling that goes on. So uh, Kyle and Jesse and my wife are the uh, pieces of gear I can't live without because without them, uh, I would... I would be dead multiple times over from falling. So they hold my rope and uh, encourage me when I'm wimping out. (laughs) (laughs) I think a good belayer is high on the list then. (laughs) Yeah. I would say, uh, you know, since Brad already stole the show on, on the best answer there. Yeah. Beat that. uh, (laughs) um, Probably a Grigri. So one thing that a newer beginner, you know, may have trouble with is determining which gear. And so that you're going to have to have a belay device, like what Brad was talking about. He needs a belayer and that person needs a device to take up the rope and keep it from feeding out. So they hit the ground. And so the Grigri is an auto locking device that makes belaying really awesome. Uh, and so that's probably something that I can't live without. And also belay specs. So the crazy glasses, if you're ever at a climbing area and you see people looking forward and acting like they're belaying, they probably are if they have belay specs on. They have the, forget what it's called, but we're basically, yeah, yeah, like a prison lens where you look forward and you're actually looking up. So it spares your neck from, you know, watching Brad try hard on a crux and, you know, hurting my neck from watching him too long because he can't do it. I can't get up. I'm just stuck <laughs> screaming over and over again. Actually, Kyle, when you and I were climbing last time, that was the first time I've ever seen somebody wearing those specs. It was pretty cool. Like it took me a moment to figure out what it was, but then I was like, why don't I have that like for birding and other things too? My, my kids will wear them when we're at the cliff um, and they will wear them and then start walking around and not remember that they also need to look down because when you're looking at the glasses you're looking straight up and so they'll just be walking around looking straight up and then they'll just run into things and trip and um, it can also be a little dangerous if you're not paying attention oh my gosh good to know okay do either one of you have a next big virginia outdoor adventure um i have usually in the summers um surprising to a lot of people the best time to climb is like spring fall and even winter if it's sunny out in the summer, it uh, gets pretty hot and uh, you don't want to climb while you're sweaty because you just kind of slide off of the holds. Um, so I switched to biking. So we do a race in Norton called Gravelacha. In Ju- it's in July. It's a 90 mile, um, I think it's 15,000 feet of elevation gain up and around the high knob area. Um, so I'm gearing up for that. A friend of mine and I run that route and um, or run that race. And so we'll have hopefully 70 or so people out for that. So that's what I'm gearing up for. I hadn't heard about that, that race. I'm gonna have to, yeah. yeah, I'm going to have to look it up because that sounds like something I would totally be down for. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, there's a 35 mile and a 60 mile route as well. So you don't have to go full on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Last year was the first year we did it. We had about 50 people out, but we'll, we have aid stations and we'll make pancakes and, you know, it's just sort of a big party. And then we have um, a big party of suffering really. And then at the end we have free beer from the uh, Sugar Hill cidery, free beer and cider at the end. So 
uh, it all it all becomes worth it by the end. <laughs> Sounds like it, Kyle. Do you have a next big Virginia outdoor adventure? I will say that I'm I'm gearing up. I know Brad mentioned that our climbing season is typically fall to winter, but one of the things I enjoy a lot of is summer breaks trips. So breaks mm. is a gorge, and there's a river down in the bottom. And what does that mean for the summertime? Rope swings and swimming. And so a lot of times I'll go, I'll go camp for the weekend and you climb in the morning while it's cool enough out. And when it gets too hot, you go to the swimming hole and then you swim all afternoon with your friends and, and then go to maybe Elkhorn for pizza or uh, campfire, you know, back, back at camp. So uh, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome. Um, the Grand Canyon of the South has so much to offer. It's not just climbing. There's all kinds of things going on there, whether you enjoy the river or you like to hike or you want a zip line or, you know, just a whole variety of other things. There's there's something for everyone at the breaks. That is definitely true. It's a great resource, especially for families. I'll just reiterate it again. I've got three kids and the breaks is the best place or outdoors to go um, because they have playgrounds and a pool and the river to swim in. Um, so as soon as your kids can't handle watching you fall off of climbing routes anymore, we bail out to the playground or uh, to the pool or go swimming or something. So it's a great spot for that. That makes it ideal. Well, Brad and Kyle, thank you so much for being guests on Virginia Outdoor Adventures to share the wonderful gem of Breaks Park and all of the climbing opportunities that are there. Thanks so much for being guests. Climb on. Yeah, thank you. Have fun. Thank you so much. Links and resources to everything discussed today are in the notes section of your listening app and on the website at virginiaoutdooradventures.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider supporting me. The easiest and most impactful thing you can do is visit buymeacoffee.com backslash Jessica Bowser, where you can buy me a virtual coffee or sign up for a membership and receive a Virginia Outdoor Adventures vinyl sticker and a shout out on the show. I'm on a mission to build an outdoor community right here in Virginia. A donation or membership means you're supporting a local community of outdoor adventurers, a diverse platform that elevates everyone's voice, a resource of activities and locations close to home, local Virginia businesses, and women in podcasting and the outdoor industry. You can also support me by subscribing to the show on your listening app. Help spread the word by sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends or on social media. Last but not least, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I love hearing from my listeners. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Virginia Outdoor Adventures or on the website virginiaoutdooradventures.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, adventure on. Again, a big thank you to Virginia Outdoor Adventures podcast for sharing this content with Hike. If you would like to learn more about the things that you can do while you're in Virginia, I really recommend checking all of the other offerings that the podcast will offer when you're looking at some amazing things to do outdoors in Virginia. As always, links are in the show notes. I'll be back next week with more Appalachia content. So until next time, 
See you on the trail.